How y'all doing? So my name is uh, Jake. I'm a pastor here on staff. I, I work with the young adult and college age ministry um, at Res Life. It's called Access. It's on a Thursday night. So we have a riot over there with all the young people. Not as crazy as you guys, but we're close. Well, um, that was a good worship set. That was awesome. Um, so that song, Reckless Love, um, so that is a new song like to me in the last few weeks or maybe a month, and every time I listen to it, it just, it just grips me, just knowing that, and it's a message, it's not a new message, it's not a, a new revelation, but it's just the idea that God is literally chasing after every single one of us. That if, jo- if it, I'm a big like uh, basketball fan, so if there's one, there were the draft was a few weeks ago, the NBA draft, and if there was one number one pick, like during that song, I always think like he would choose me. But then it's the same for all of us because he doesn't show favoritism. And God loves it for us to, to, to have that mindset that, that he cherishes us above everyone else. But then he cherishes everyone else above everyone else too because he's infinite and he, he does that and we don't understand it, but that's okay. Because if we could understand him, he wouldn't be that great. That's why the creation should never be able to understand the creator, even though we keep trying to. We're just weird like that. Anyway, I have a message tonight, and today I get to, to, to continue with the armor of God. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to bring out, flip to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It's the armor of God. We might have heard about it as a little kid. It's a big one in the nursery and in the, in, in the Sunday school with the, with the elementary kids. But I want to talk to you about how important the armor of God is, how important this idea of spiritual warfare is. Because how many of you know that there are things that are unseen that are more real than things that are seen? There's a saying out there that perception is reality. Raise your hand if you've heard that saying. Perception is reality. Basically what that means is how you perceive something or how you see something is actually what's reality to you. Painting. Uh, my wife and I went on a cruise um, a, few, a few months ago. Um, it was our second cruise. We love it. So much. Oh my gosh, the food. This is endless. It's, I think I gained eight pounds that week. I went on before and afterwards. It was crazy. Anyway, so in, in the cruise, there's multiple floors, and they have, this, they have all these paintings. And some of them are, are just flat out. I look at them, and I go, what? What? You know, like the paintings where it looks like a four-year-old took paint and just flicked it against a, a canvas, and then they say, Voila. And I look at that and I say, that's, that's great. And then somebody else, uh, an art critic, will step next to that painting and go, wow, this is a masterpiece. And then you have me who says, this is, <laughs> this is terrible. Because perception is reality. In relationships and conflict, somebody may do something that annoys me, but to my wife it might not be annoying at all. How we see something. So, what we see is very important. I would argue that what we see is more important than even, or maybe is a root to what we think. 
Because how we perceive something is ultimately going to determine how we think about something. So if we can have correct perception, correct perspective, we'll be very well off in our life. And, and the, the strategy is for us to align our perspective with God's perspective. That's called victory. Victory. Because whenever we can come in alignment, we can come under Christ and we can live in Christ and what he sees and we live under his authority, we win. But when we step out from underneath God's perspective and we start living in this place that's called flesh or what seems right to a man, we get conflict. We get destruction. We get loss. So the trick for us is then to align ourselves in, per, in the perspective that God has. And we find that through the word of God, we find that through his word, which is the Bible, which is endless, which is far superior than any book that's ever been written. It's God's thoughts, his ways revealed through the Holy Spirit in work, through the Holy Spirit in each individual life. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. So we're in the armor of God. It's about the spiritual warfare, the fact that there's things that are unseen that are very important to our lives. So let's read Ephesians 6 together. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I want to take a minute and focus on that word heavenly realms. This is found in the book of Ephesians, and if you read through the entire book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1 through 6, you'll see this word or this phrase, heavenly realms or heavenly places, in four out of the six chapters. And I want to go visit those because I think it's very important as we move forward um, with talking about the spiritual warfare, our warfare in our mind, warfare uh, in the heavenly realms. So let's go to Ephesians 1 through 3. It says, pray Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms, there's that word again, and with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we have this spiritual battle going on in the heavenly realms, but earlier in Ephesians 1, he says, praise be to God because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in this heavenly realm. So we have this heavenly realm that there's this battle going on, but Ephesians 1 says that we have every spiritual blessing in that place, which means we have the upper hand. The heavenly realm should be our most comfortable position because it's the position that we were made for. You see, the flesh, the earth, the physical things, you see, those things are unpredictable. People are unpredictable. That's where we're at our weakest. But we think we're the strongest in those positions because we can manipulate and control people to do things that we want them to do. But it's in our weakest because that's when we're actually more in control and we don't let God have control of our lives. So let's keep reading Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. 
This is a prayer that Paul prays that I love. This, is, this prayer is just amazing. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. So this is what he also says. He says he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and he's also giving us all power in this heavenly realm. He says all power and all blessing are for you in the heavenly realm. But when we, live in the, when we live and we focus and we only put our attention on the physical realm, we're actually sub- subject to its power. So we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, need to learn how to win and learn how to live in the heavenly realms. Now I'm not, I'm not going to get all weird. I'm saying it's, it's, it's an operating system. Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. And this is what he was saying, that the heavenly realms, the authority, that God's ideas or God's thoughts, his ways are here. And they're open for everyone who believes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the connection for us into the heavenly realms. In 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about how, it talks about the Holy Spirit actually shows us God's thoughts. It says, who knows a man's thoughts except, uh, except his own mind? It says, we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to step into this place called the heavenly realms, which, is, which are simply put, God's thoughts. His ways. Ephesians 2, 6 through 7, continuing. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So now we said he's given us all blessing, he's given us all power, and then to top it off, he picks us up in the real you, the spiritual you, the spiritual me, he picks us up and he puts us up there. And he says, you're in Christ and I've put you, seated you with Christ in the heavenly realms. Okay, this might be a little bit figurative for for some people, but it's the truth. He seated us in the heavenly realms with Christ. Why did he do that? He did that in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We cannot receive the the abundance, we cannot receive the fullness of God's grace until we learn to live in the heavenly place. It says the reason why he seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms is so that he might show his incomparable grace to us. So the only way that we can, or the one way that we can actually enter into that place is to realize that we were not made for earth, we were made for something more. And it's, he still talks about it in Ephesians 3. He's just not done. He just, he just got this revelation of the heavenly realms, of the heavenly places. And he's continuing with it in Ephesians 3. It says his intent was that now, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God. So he talked about the power of God. He talked about the blessings of God. He says, I'm gonna seat you there. And now he says, the wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. But remember, perception is a reality. So the, the reality is there's a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle going on for each one of our souls and our spirits. There are spiritual causes to a lot of the physical things that we actually encounter. When people are interacting us in negative ways and, and people are rude or they betray us, you see, that's a physical thing, but there's a, there's a spiritual cause or a spiritual root, and there's actually a battle going on in order to win us over to the darkness, and there's a battle going on with the angels and with God that's fighting for us to walk into the heavenly places. There's a battle going on, and if you don't know it, and if you don't realize it, and if we don't acknowledge it, we'll ultimately lose. Not lose our eternity or our salvation, but while we're on this earth, we'll never walk in the fullness that God paid for us to live. So we have to understand this idea that there's a spiritual battle going on and then we need to address it. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians, how to address it with the armor of God. So he talks about the heavenly realms. Verse 13 of Ephesians 6. It says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, stand. <laughs> I love that. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So today what I want to focus on is I want to focus on the first three armors, you could say, or the first three elements that God, that Paul describes here in Ephesians 6, which are the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. If you actually read the verbiage in Ephesians 6, they're broken up into two categories of three. So I'm gonna focus on the first three, and if you notice, the first three are all about like being. They're being descriptives. So, the, our, our, so you have the belt of truth. It says put on the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. And then if you really read later on in, um, in verse 17, it says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Take and it says, take up the shield of faith. So the first, the first three are more, let me describe it this way. In baseball, in baseball you have a baseball team, let's say the Detroit Tigers. I don't follow them. Are, do, are they doing well this year or no? Let's be optimistic. Maybe they'll go on a winning streak and make the playoffs. Um, so you have the Detroit Tigers. So the Detroit Tigers, when they're playing a game, they'll all wear a uniform. They're all wearing the same uniform. No matter whether they're on offense or defense, they're going to be wearing a uniform, Detroit Tigers uniform. But their tools, 
which we'd say the second three, or the second set of three, which are the shield of, or which are the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation. They have to take those up, depending on whether they're on offense or defense. So they might take a bat to hit, or they might take a glove to go in fields. The same way as in this passage describes these different elements, these different tools, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, and the breastplate of righteousness are the uniform. They're the thing that we never take off. They're the thing that we wake up every morning using. The things that we wake up every morning needed to drill these in, in, in. They need to become who we are. Shield of faith, sword of the spirit, and the helmet of salvation are tools that we use in different circumstances when the enemy attacks. So we want to focus on the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of peace. There's something that I want to point out in this passage, though. It says in verse 11 of, uh, of chapter 6, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that, when, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes. You see, these are things that we need to be doing every day so that when, when, uh, when struggles do come, when situations do come, when the tribulation comes, we're ready. You shouldn't wait to learn how to swim until you go on in the middle of Lake Michigan. You should learn how to swim and then going into the middle of Lake Michigan, just in case. Pastor Duane has a really funny story about that. It's a really funny one. Anyway, so the day of trouble is coming, and these are the things that are going to prepare us for that. Prepare us in the, in the heavenly realms, you could say. So the belt of truth. Belt of truth. So we're going to talk about truth here for a second. What is truth? Let me tell you what truth isn't. Truth isn't facts. Facts do not equal truth. You see, because God has a standard of truth that is far beyond the physical reality of a fact. Truth does not equal our circumstances. Just because our circumstance is in our lives or something is happening, that does not mean that that is the truth that God is speaking over us. It might be real in our lives, in our physical lives, but not, that is not the truth as defined in the Bible. So truth, it could be described as an absolute standard by which reality is measured. An absolute standard by which reality is measured. In other words, put, it is God's view on any subject. So we see God's view, God's perspective, his sight on something, that equals truth. Anything other than God's perspective on something is just not true. It might, be our, it might be our reality, it might be our circumstance, but it does not equate to truth. It's what God thinks, it's what he sees, it's what he says, it's his plans and motives all described in the word of God. So we have to know this thing. We have to know the word of God. We have to know what it says. We have to write it in our hearts. We have to study it day and night. We have to meditate on it. We have to cherish it. And we have to allow Holy Spirit to teach us everything in it. Because the Bible talks about, there's some verses in the Bible. It says, it says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many, a fact will never set you free. But the truth will set you free. 
And Jesus says something about truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have this picture, we have this idea that Jesus is the truth, and the truth is what sets us free. So we better get to know Jesus pretty well because he's the very thing that's going to set us free. He sets us free from our sin, but he also sets us free from our past. He sets us free from everything. And he sets us on a journey where we can move forward in authority, move forward in victory. The belt of truth. It says, put on the belt of truth. So God provides. This is called the armor of God. It's not our armor. He said, this is the armor of God, but then he tells us to put it on. So God's job is to provide the armor. Our job is to put it on daily. So as we wake up in the morning, we have this belt of truth. What, what kind of truth are we speaking over ourselves? We're speaking and we're seeing correctly what, what God sees and what he says. And we start speaking it over ourselves as described by the word of God. Because the belt of truth is going to prepare us when the, day of, when the day comes and the world says to us that you're nothing, that you're worthless, that you're a reject, that nobody loves you. But you've been in your word, you've been in the belt of truth, and you've put that on that I'm accepted, that I'm, that I'm loved by God. And you start to, we start to convince ourselves and we start to believe what the word of God says. When the day comes that we have trouble, we'll, we'll inherently believe the truth as opposed to believing our circumstance. Because our circumstances lie so many times. So I like to put it this way is when it pertains to truth. Truth is like a radio. So when you're in your car, you can tune in to different radio stations. And we all have a choice of which radio station we get to tune into. Do we get to tune into our, our family's perspective of us, our boss's perspective of us, our spouse's perspective of us, our friend's perspective of us, our coworker's perspective, or do we get to tune into what God's perspective is? Every day we have a choice of what we're going to tune into. And just like we can tune into those things that we, that we hear our friends say about us or we hear the gossip about us or we hear our family and we know that they, they think a certain thing about us and we start to believe it's true about ourselves. And the people, the way that they perceive and treat us starts to become the truth about us. I'm rejected. I can't be loved. I can't do anything right. I'm always going to be a nobody. And we let these things that the world has spoken about us trump or that we allow it to supersede what God has spoken about us in his word. He says he knows the hairs on your head. He says you're his beloved. He says you're his masterpiece. And he's saying if you'll just believe it and start to meditate on my word and meditate on that and let me speak it over you, I promise you, when those people tell you that you're a reject, you can look it up in the face and say, no, I ain't. You can look at them in the face and say, no, I'm accepted. I'm always, I've always been accepted, and I'm start, really starting to realize it right now. But I think it's a matter of, when we think about tuning into the right, to the right station, I think it's a matter of where we're living from. There's two different places that we can live from, and it's a starting point. So we're a, we're a three-part being. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Most people, what they do is they live from the body towards the spirit. 
So they have stimuli in the body and it sends them messages about themselves all the time like I was describing earlier. Message, 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 message. Reject, reject, failure, stupid, dumb, nobody. Because that's what the world has taught them. We live from the body. We go from the body to our soul. And so now we're in our soul and now we just believe that. Our emotions, we're we're depressed, we're downcast, we're stressed, we're frustrated, we're anxious. And then from there, we go to our spirit, and then we let that determine our spiritual truth. And we think that God doesn't love us, we think he's not there, we think he's far away, we think he's distant, and we think he just doesn't care about us. Because we've started from the physical, and we moved from, to the soul, and then to the spirit. And what Jesus came to say, he says, I'm opening up an opportunity for all of us through Holy Spirit where you can live from the spirit to the soul to the body. So what he's saying is is that if we will open up to him and start living a life led by the spirit of God, that we will start to know that what the Bible says is true and what the word of God says is true and it will be in our spirit. And then we'll tell from our spirit which is where we have power, will move and tell our soul what to feel. So when we feel kind of depressed, when we feel kind of angry, we step back to our spirit, and our spirit directs our soul and says, no, you be joyful in all situations. I can, give, I can be joyful in all situations. I can have peace in any situation because we've started from the spirit, moved to the soul, and then from the soul, that tells our body what to do. When we have sickness... We have a sickness, and, we, and we're dealing with it day in, day in, day out, day in, day out. What happens is, is we get in a place, and we've said, okay, this is my situation. I'm going to move to the soul. Okay, I'm okay with this. God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. And then we move to the spirit, and we say, okay, the truth is that you know, God loves us, but he just won't heal us. So we've determined our truth based on our physical reality when God's reality is totally different. So we need to start living in a place of the spirit which says, by his wounds, my wife has a a screensaver, it says, by his wounds we are healed. Truth, spiritual truth from God. And so I take that truth and I go to my soul, which is my mind, will, and emotions, and I say, okay, soul, even though I don't feel it, this is the truth and you have to align. And then from there, I start to develop a belief system and a faith towards what I'm actually believing in the Spirit. And I develop a faith and I start to develop actually belief in what God can do. And I put myself in a position to where now my body is going to align. That's a good place to be. But most of us live in the place, we beg God to do something, it doesn't happen, so we say God doesn't heal. When that's just our present reality, that's not God's reality. God's God's wish is that everyone be healed of everything. So it looks like we're just getting to the belt of truth today. (laughs) That's okay, it's a good one. I'll just say this one thing about the righteousness, because I think it relates to... uh, to the belt of truth. So it says next is the breastplate of righteousness. This is our second piece of armor that we have to wear. The first one is the belt of truth, which is God's view. Every morning when we wake up, we need to say, God, we need to tune into what God is saying. And part of tuning into what God is saying is prayer. Part of that is reading the word. And part of that is listening, sitting in silence, 
waiting for God to speak to our spirit through an impression, through a thought, through a feeling, waiting for him and not being impatient. Next is the breastplate of righteousness. So we put on this breastplate of righteousness which protects our heart. Because out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of our heart, out of the good things of the heart, a man brings forth good things. Out of the bad things, he brings forth bad things. The heart is a really big issue. So the breastplate of righteousness is protecting our heart. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So righteousness in a simple form is basically being accepted by God. So when we stand before God, he looks at us and he says, you're accepted. And when you're accepted by God, all of God's resources become available to you. So when we're acceptable, when we're righteous before God, we're acceptable to him. And then when we're acceptable to him, it puts us in a position to where when I feel rejected, when I fail, when I sin, and the devil comes in, accuser, he accuses us and said, you're not really as good as what you think you are. You're not really saved. Uh, you might as well just give up on this thing. You're never going to get over that sin. He comes and accuses us, so we live from the Spirit, realize that we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we have right standing, that our righteousness is not dependent on our behavior, it was dependent on what Jesus did dying on the cross. He says, I have my righteousness, I'm going to give it to you, so that you can become righteous. So we have this righteousness no matter what we do. So in the morning when we wake up, and I was supposed to use this, it's, my, it's, it's a mirror. So when we wake up in the morning and we look at ourselves in the mirror, I'll do this sometimes, not when my, my wife's at home, I'll do it when I'm alone. <laughs> I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'll say, you're righteous. And I'll start tell, talking to myself about how I'm righteous, how I'm so clean, that I'm squeaky clean. And I'll even make the noise sometimes, like, like squeaky clean. Like, I'm, like, there's nothing that I could do that make me more acceptable to God than how I am right now. But the thing is, is that it sounds good in theory, but in the moment when we sin, in the moment that we mess up, in the moment that we fail, we don't feel that way. So that's why every morning, before I even have a chance to sin, I get up in the morning and I say, you're righteous. You're righteous. Because that means he, the devil can't get inside of my heart and plant seeds of rejection, and plant seeds of religion, and plant seeds that, Jake, if you do this, then maybe you can get closer to God. Maybe you can get God to actually like you more if you do this. Because God says, I can't even like you. It's not even possible to love you more. That's what God says. So in the morning, when we get up, we put on that belt of truth. We put on the God's reality. We tune into his station. We look in the mirror and we tell ourselves, you're righteous. We put on that breastplate of righteousness that says, you're righteous, there's nothing that you can do. You're so happy with me, there's nothing that you could do to change it. God, you love me, you see me as beautiful, you see me as a conqueror, you see me as a warrior ready for battle, so God, I put on your breastplate of righteousness so that I can go on my day and conquer hell. Woo! And then I, then I hear this sound, and then I'm running up the stairs like Rocky Balboa. I'm just like pumped, ready to go for my day. 
so ready to go. But it's a discipline that we need to do because the devil's relentless at destroying us. God is relentless at restoring us. You can, and by default, if we ignore God's pursuit of us, we will ultimately default towards the enemy's destruction of us. So in the morning, it's so important to tune in to God's reality, which is we're loved, we're pursued, we're righteous, squeaky clean, white as snow. Yesterday is behind me. My, my future is bright. We look at ourselves in the mirror, and for some of us, it's really tough because we've done some really bad things. And we think, there's no way God could ever forgive me. You, you say, you're thinking right now, Jake, you, you don't know what I did. Jake, you don't even know what I've done. There's no way God could forgive me. Well, I'll just say this to you. There's a guy named Paul. His name was Saul. And he murdered Christians. He murdered Christians for a living. And God took him and he said, I'm going to make you one of the most, probably the most influential representation of Jesus Christ ever. I'm going to make you the most famous Christian ever, the person who killed Christians. He met God face to face, and God changed him forever. His name is Paul, and he wrote over half of the New Testament. If God can take someone who murdered Christians, murdered God's people, I promise you, there's no, nothing that you have done that can separate you from God's love and his plan that he has for you. It says before you were even born, he had a plan for you. Before you were even born, he had a plan. It's about time that we align ourselves with God's perspective, with his story, with his narrative of our lives, so that we can start living and walking in victory in the heavenly realms, and then ultimately translates into the physical world. Why don't you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for, for your great plan, which was to restore your kids and bring your kids back to relationship, friendship, and sonship with you, God. Before I go any further, if you're here and, and, and you're away from God, if you're here and, and you haven't been living for God and you need to make a decision to, to dedicate your life to following Jesus, or if you're here and you've never made that decision, you don't know why you're here in church, but you're here, this is your day. God is pursuing you. God is relentlessly going after you. He's communicating to you. It's about time that we tune into what God is saying. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If there was a rose and he's picking the petals off, it wasn't, it's not he loves me, he loves me not. It's he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. There's only one choice and he loves you. Tune into that channel. Tune into that station right now. And if you need to make that decision to follow God, I'm going to ask, on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. And there's nothing magical about raising your hand. It's just making a decision in your heart and in your mind saying, no, from this point on, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I'm no longer going to live for myself. I'm going to live for God. If that's you on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to pray, and then while, while I'm praying, I want you just to, to receive it and kind of speak it in your own head and just receive this prayer. And then after service, please come to the front, 
and talk to myself. You can talk to Ryan, who's in the green shirt, or you can talk to any of the prayer partners that are up here. Do not leave without talking to someone. It's so important. So just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for for paying the price of our sin. God, I thank you for seeing the good and the beauty inside of us. And I thank you that Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could go to heaven and so that we could live in victory. And God, that we could be free from all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our condemnation, God, all of those nasty bondages and nasty handcuffs that are on our life, God, can be broken because of Jesus. We thank you, God, that you paid the price for our sins so that we could have relationship and friendship with you, God. So Jesus, we receive you today. We receive you into our lives. Holy Spirit, we receive you into our life so that we can start living a life pursuing you Loving you every single day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.